This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, shadow banning of conservatives, blacklists, and a secret group for suppressing controversial accounts. All that and more in the eye-opening second Twitter Files installment. The Biden administration taking drastic measures to keep union pension funds alive. $36 billion is being infused to prevent cuts. Find out more on what the White House calls the largest federal award of its kind. The Canadian government is suspending a contract with a company partly owned by the Chinese regime. Canada's Prime Minister calls the deal disconcerting. Construction of Arizona's makeshift border wall continues amid legal battles. Now environmentalists are taking action to stop it. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning, and I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Friday, December 9th. And let's start with a revealing second installment of the so-called Twitter files. It was published Thursday evening and shines a bright light on the secret blacklisting of conservatives happening at Twitter before the Elon Musk takeover. And today's Daniel Monaghan has the story. Truth brings reconciliation. Those are the words Twitter CEO Elon Musk tweeted after the latest incendiary Twitter files report was released by journalist Barry Weiss. In a series of tweets, Weiss revealed how Twitter employed shadow banning to reduce the visibility of tweets from conservative users. Weiss cited the example of Stanford's Dr. Jay Bhattacharya. He argued that COVID lockdowns would harm children. Twitter secretly placed him on a trends blacklist which prevented his tweets from trending. She also detailed how popular conservative talk show host Dan Bongino was hit with a search blacklist, or how Twitter set the account of conservative activist Charlie Kirk to do not amplify. Weiss wrote that, quote, a new Twitter files investigation reveals that teams of Twitter employees build blacklists, prevent disfavored tweets from trending, and actively limit the visibility of entire accounts or even trending topics, all in secret without informing users. She stated that Twitter had previously denied doing such things, saying, quote, in 2018, Twitter's Vijay Gaddy and Kayvon Bakepour said, we do not shadow ban, and we certainly don't shadow ban based on political viewpoints or ideology. Weiss says Twitter executives and employees employed a different terminology, describing what they were doing as visibility filtering, or VF. Twitter used VF to block searches of individual users, to limit the scope of a particular tweet's discoverability, to block select users' posts from ever appearing on the trending page, and from inclusion in hashtag searches. Twitter employees told Weiss that Twitter controls visibility quite a bit, and that they control the amplification of people's content, adding that normal people do not know how much they do. Weiss wrote that there was a secret group for more controversial accounts, the Site Integrity Policy Policy Escalation Support, or SIPPES. It included Vijay Gaddy, Yul Roth, subsequent CEOs Jack Dorsey, and Parag Agrawal and others. Weiss wrote that that is where the biggest, most politically sensitive decisions got made, and that there would be no ticket or anything for those. One account warranting that level of scrutiny was Libs of TikTok. The account with 1.4 million followers was subjected to six suspensions in 2022 alone. Twitter repeatedly informed account owner Chaya Rechik that she had been suspended for violating Twitter's policy against hateful conduct. 
However, an internal SIPPES memo acknowledges that libs of TikTok did not violate the hateful conduct policy. It justified the suspensions by claiming her posts encouraged online harassment of hospitals and medical providers by insinuating that gender-affirming healthcare is equivalent to child abuse or grooming. Weiss wrote that they are just getting started with their reporting. She says that documents cannot tell the whole story here. She says to look out for the next installment and tagged journalist Matt Taibbi. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. And things will get really interesting. Musk tweeted yesterday evening that Twitter is working on a software update that will show people's true account status so they know clearly if they've been shadow banned or not. It will also show the reason why and how to appeal. And he added that Twitter would soon start freeing the namespace of 1.5 billion accounts, adding that these are obvious account deletions with no tweets and no login for years. U.S. basketball star Brittany Griner has safely arrived back to the United States after having been released in a prisoner swap with Russia. President Biden announced her release yesterday at a press conference. Griner was convicted of drug charges in Russia in February and sentenced to nine years in a penal colony. According to Russian Foreign Ministry, she was exchanged at an airport in Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates for convicted Russian arms dealer Victor Boot. Victor Boot was one of the world's most notorious arms dealers for two decades. Dubbed the Merchant of Death, the 55-year-old sold weapons to rogue states, rebels, and warlords across the world. Despite little being known about him, biographies say he was born in 1967 in Dushanbe in former Soviet Tajikistan. Boot served in the Soviet Army as a military translator due to his language skills. He established contacts worldwide, including in Angola, which would become a country central to his business operations. After the fall of the communist bloc, he cashed in on discarded Soviet military weaponry. In Afghanistan, he supplied weapons to the Taliban as well as their opposition. He was arrested in Thailand in 2008 and later extradited to the United States. Boot was convicted in 2012 and sentenced to 25 years in prison by a Manhattan court. The Russian state has long coveted his release, hinting at Russian intelligence ties. Congress has codified same-sex marriage, sending it off to the White House to become law. But concerns linger over protections for religious liberty. And today's Melina Weiskup joins us from Capitol Hill with more. This bill requires all 50 states to recognize same-sex marriage if it was legal in the state in which it was performed, but it does not require all states to legalize same-sex marriage. However, it does alter the federal definition of a marriage by repealing the Defense of Marriage Act, which specifically defines marriage as a union between one man and one woman. And it was a bipartisan bill. There were 39 House Republicans who joined with House Democrats to pass it. And on top of that, there were 12 Republicans in the Senate, which approved of this measure uh, last week. Landmark law, changing the law uh, for full equality. Now the federal government will never stand in the way of anyone marrying the person you love. Now, the House did previously pass this bill, but they had to vote on it again today after the Senate made changes to it. Those changes that were made were meant to address some religious liberty issues, which were raised by some Republicans. And while those changes were made to further ensure protections for religious groups, some conservative organizations are still saying it doesn't do enough. For example, a conservative legal organization called the Alliance Defending Freedom argues that it could make religious freedom and free speech cases harder to win because they say it embeds a false definition of marriage in the American legal fabric. 
But nonetheless, it is off to the White House now where President Biden is expected to sign it. And in another key vote, the House passed the National Defense Authorization Act for 2023 with overwhelming bipartisan support. It in this bill repeals the vaccine mandate for military members. There were about 200 Democrats who voted to pass this. Some Democrats on the floor saying that they believe the vaccine mandate served its purpose while it was there, but that it's not needed anymore. And in addition, this bill also bars U.S. manufacturers from using Chinese-made uh, semiconductors, which is an, which is just one step closer towards pulling our critical manufacturing out of China and bringing it here back home, which is an effort that has also garnered overwhelming bipartisan support. The bill also includes around $10 billion to boost Taiwan's defense capabilities. But the catch is Congress still needs to pass the annual government funding bill in order for the Pentagon to get the money to implement these new policies. And right now that bill is tied up and not looking like it's going anywhere. And we need to do whatever it takes to make that happen. We need to make sure our whole government is postured to compete with China, both at DOD and across the government. We need to fund our efforts to assist the Ukrainians. We need to fund our new communities and our friends in Taiwan. And lawmakers still have not agreed on a top line number for that government funding bill. And if they can't reach a deal on that, they will have to pass another short term funding bill um, with less than 10 days to get this done until a government shutdown kicks in. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Wisecup, NTD News. Hundreds of people gathered outside of the New York Times building in New York City yesterday. Over a thousand employees went on strike. They're asking for higher pay and better benefits. Entity's Jason Perry spoke to some of them. I'm here in New York City, right outside of the New York Times building. And as you can see, hundreds of people are here in support of the New York Times employees who went on strike. The employees are asking for higher pay, better benefits, and a better work from home or work remote policy. We are sending a clear message. They can't just give out stock dividends and buybacks like candy to shareholders and not give us a fair share. Over 1,100 New York Times employees are on a strike that will last just 24 hours. This came after New York Times management and the union representing the employees failed to reach an agreement for a new contract. We have fighting for the control for 20 months now, and we are working with no control for 20 months, and I think it's enough already. So we have not had a contract for almost two years, and we did not get a raise for another year before that. This has been during high inflation. Inflation is 8, 9, 10% in one of the most expensive cities in the world, uh, and we have not had a raise. So we are all falling behind. We're asking for a raise that makes us whole. One New York Times employee said the company was not in trouble financially. He added that the New York Times had just spent $550 million to buy the website The Athletic. A New York Times spokesperson told the Associated Press that the company would continue producing content and it will get help from international reporters and other journalists who are not union members. Uh, I, I'm not in on the union strategy, but I would look at it as sort of a shot across the bow, as they say. You know, we did it for a day, but, you know, we're ready to go out for maybe longer next time. I think today is a really good showing of what the labor movement right now looks like. A lot of people are realizing that culture costs money, that 
um, like having the New York Times is a, such an incredible institution and brings a lot of empowerment to a lot of places that don't have voices. But these people are working to do that and they need the money and the stability to do it well. New York Times employees are ready for a new contract and the New York Guild is the union leading this strike. They recently tweeted that the members will do whatever it takes to win a better newsroom. Jason Perry, NTD News, New York. At the same time, the Biden administration is awarding $36 billion to a union pension fund. The move will prevent cuts to the pensions of around 350,000 union workers and retirees. President Biden made the announcement at a White House event yesterday. These union workers and retirees are facing cuts up to 60% of the benefits starting in the next few years if we hadn't acted. That means some folks would stand to lose $10,000 each and every year of their retirement. It's not going to happen. The cuts are not going to occur. The White House says it's the largest federal award of its kind. It comes from the American Rescue Plan, which is a nearly $2 trillion pandemic relief package that Biden signed into law in 2021. The money will go to the central state's pension fund. It's been struggling financially for many years. The fund was at risk of becoming insolvent in 2026, but the pandemic relief money is expected to keep it afloat to 2051. And many reti union retirement plans have experienced financial pressure because of underfunding. Over 200 pension plans were having a hard time paying the retire bene retirement benefits, I should say, workers had earned at the time the American Rescue Plan was passed. Yes, and like President Biden mentioned, without federal assistance, Teamster members could have seen their benefits reduced by an average of 60% within a couple of years. And coming up, a deal Canada's Prime Minister calls disconcerting. The Canadian government just cancelled a contract with a company partly owned by the Chinese Communist regime. Construction of Arizona's makeshift border wall continues amid legal battles, but environmentalists in the area have different ideas. Find out more about their protests after the break. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Hogan. In Canada, the federal government is suspending a contract with a company that is partly owned by the Chinese regime. This is following a recent investigation that discovered the contract. Here's the story. Canada's public safety minister confirmed Thursday that the Federal Royal Canadian Mount Police, or RCMP, have suspended a contract with a company linked to the Chinese regime. Radio Canada reported on Wednesday that the federal government had awarded a contract worth about 400,000 US dollars to Sinclair Technology in 2021. The company is responsible for making a radio frequency filtering system, which the RCMP was going to use to protect radio communications from eavesdropping. Sinclair Technology is a company based in Ontario, Canada. Its parent company is Norset International, which is based in British Columbia, Canada. Norset has been owned by Chinese telecom company Hytera Communications since 2017, and the Chinese regime owns around 9% of Hytera. Hytera equipment is banned in the U.S. on national security grounds. The company also faces several espionage charges in the U.S. After the report came out on Wednesday, the Canadian government ordered an investigation. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was asked about the contract during a press conference and said he finds it disconcerting. 
Trudeau said Wednesday morning that his government will look into the matter and will examine the role security plays in government procurement. Radio Canada says in the report that a contract with Sinclair was $60,000 less than the bid of its competitor. The government agency responsible for the contract reportedly told Radio Canada that they didn't consider security concerns or Sinclair's ownership during the bidding process. Reporting by Allison Lee and Xu Wenrong, NTD News. Environmentalists are protesting near the makeshift border wall in Arizona. They hope to stall construction. The improvised wall is built out of shipping containers. Some are topped with razor wire. It's being made to plug gaps in Arizona's southern border. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the protesters' efforts. Construction of the wall continues amid an ongoing legal battle between Arizona Governor Doug Ducey and the Biden administration. But environmentalists in the area have different ideas. We're not going anywhere until the federal government acknowledges, acknowledges and acts and stops this construction. They say that construction in the Coronado National Forest of Cochise County is illegal and harmful. The shipping container, the contractor, and the state of Arizona have been informed by the Department of Justice and the U.S. Forest Service oh, really? that their activities are unauthorized and it's illegal. Some fear the wall will impede wildlife corridors for endangered species like jaguars and ocelots, as well as block the migration of deer, black bears, mountain lions, and other smaller animals. What we're here to do is enjoy our public lands in a strategic way that hinders the placement of further shipping containers. One group says they are willing to put their bodies in harm's way. They blocked an excavator to stop the work. But we felt it was important to stop the, stop the progress and the destruction. Governor Ducey blames President Biden's policies for the crisis at the border. He's seen record numbers of illegal immigrants crossing since Biden took office. Ducey says Arizona had to secure the border because federal agencies weren't taking action. He first ordered construction with an executive order in August. Some protesters hope a changing of the guard will bring them the results they are looking for. With Katie Hobbs, I would urge her that the moment she is inaugurated, that she says, okay, let's get the containers off the, off the border. Arizona governor-elect Katie Hobbs is set to take office in January. Hobbs has not yet commented on the issue. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Regulators have approved a plan to demolish four dams on a California river and will open up hundreds of miles of salmon habitat. Officials, along with Native American tribes, celebrated the decision to restore the Klamath River that crosses the California-Oregon border. This is going to be the largest river restoration in American history. And restoration works. Uh, the amazing thing about the resiliency of our environment and these salmon and steelhead that we're going to be bringing back is if you give them half a chance, they're going to do just fine. The Federal Energy Regulatory Commission's vote on the dams was the last major regulatory hurdle. It was also the biggest milestone for a $500 million demolition proposal championed by Native American tribes and environmentalists for years. The project would return the lower half of California's second largest river to a free-flowing state for the first time in more than a century. Opponents argue the dams are vital to surrounding communities. They say they provide tax revenue and opportunities for recreation, and they add that waterfront property values will be lost when the dams are taken out. 
Residents in both counties surrounding the dams have voted overwhelmingly in favor of keeping them. Celine Dion revealed on Instagram that she has been diagnosed with a rare neurological disorder. The Grammy-winning singer opened up about the challenges she's faced. These spasms affect every aspect of my daily life, sometimes causing difficulties when I walk and not allowing me to use my vocal cords. The disorder is called stiff person syndrome. The NIH says it's a rare progressive syndrome that affects the nervous system. Symptoms include muscle stiffness and spasms. In an earlier statement, she said she had been forced to cancel the remaining North American shows of her Courage World Tour over health issues. Her spring 2023 show has now been rescheduled to 2024. Dion said she has a great team of doctors working with her to get better and great support from her children who are giving her hope. And next, two teenage walruses from Canada have resettled at a zoo in Washington. They follow commands in both French and English. We have the story after the break. Welcome back, I'm Evelyn Lee. After an international trip from Canada's Quebec, two teenage walruses have resettled at a zoo in Tacoma, Washington. Zookeepers are coming to grips with their new friends. Let's take a look. Roar. Good. Sputter. Good. Click. Good. Growl. Good boy. Hum. Good job, buddy. Sing. Good job, buddy. This is assistant curator Sheridan Plouffe feeding Balzac a six-year-old male walrus, and his sister, Lakina. The siblings are new visitors to the Point Defiance Zoo and Aquarium. In human terms, both are in adolescence. They're both different, and they uh, react to training sessions differently. They learn differently. She's a little more uh, quick uh, to pick things up, and he takes his time to learn. Throughout the United States, only 14 walruses are under human care. So walruses are considered vulnerable, but they're not listed as endangered. They are protected by the Marine Mammal Protection Act in the United States. Walruses seek food and shelter on floating ice floes. But with melting ice, these animals are swimming to land for food. They're really sensitive to human disturbances like loud noise or planes flying overhead. That causes them to stampede. And when they stampede, that's when they can get injured and calves can get separated from their parents. Balzac and Lakina are in training to follow their new keeper's commands in both French and English. To match their exercise level, their diet may seem a bit lavish. These are restaurant quality mussels. <laughs> Six months supply of seafood is on hand for them, all frozen at minus 22 degrees Fahrenheit. We go through about 16,000 pounds of clam uh, a year just for walruses alone. It's a lot of clam. <laughs> a team of vets check on them regularly to keep them in optimal health. Oh my goodness. Are you ready for your exam? Open. Walruses living in captivity enjoy a dental benefit not available to those in the wild. Their tusks lack enamel or have very little enamel, so it makes them prone to developing wear very easily. And because they can get wear on them, they can get an infection, and so we want to make sure we protect the ends of the tusks. 
And this happens with wild walrus as well. They just don't have the dentist to put on their caps. Walruses make a special noise underwater. It's a call for breeding. Once the two become of breeding age, their future may take them elsewhere to meet suitable partners. You know what? I found nowadays animals are so smart, I'm constantly surprised at how much they can actually understand. Yeah, maybe it's because they're so observant when it comes to our body language. And, you know, apparently they can sense our emotions, too. Right, I heard that, and it turns out that pets actually understand much more than I thought they would. I don't know if you know this, but there is this dog online <laughs> that can describe things, demands, or even its feelings to its humans by just pressing certain buttons. It's pretty what? wild. I'd love to see that. Yeah, uh, I think her name is Bunny. And while we Google that, though, we have to end the show here. Um, you can always text or message us at ntd.com if you have anything to share. That's it for today. Have a great weekend. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.